Just a heads up to our listeners, we're handling some sensitive subjects, so please be warned. Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's what's your your weird story? Hello! How is everyone doing out there in internet podcast land? Uh, It is time once again for the What's Your Weird Story podcast with me, Adam Beebe. I'm one of your hosts, but hey, look, I'm not the only host here. Also with me, as always, is uh, my OG uh, BFF. FF. I don't even know what the last FF's for, but it's there. Uh, Mr. Barry Johnston. Hello, Barry. How are you, sir? What's up? How are you, man? Been been I'm, a minute. It's been a minute. Dude, it has. We uh, off uh, people at home may not know this because I don't think we really mentioned it, but uh, well, basically the past couple of weeks, it's been kind of like a summer vacation, right? Um, yeah. You uh, you went off and had some adventures, and I stayed home. And um, I'm like the kid who didn't go to camp um, and when all the friends went to camp. No, I stayed home and I, I worked, but I did a couple of cool things. I went to a comic book show, uh, a little one. And then I had lunch or dinner, rather, with um, with our good buddy, Sam, oh, who's been a guest here on the podcast right. um, several times. He was passing through. Um, t- through the natty and uh, was going to see um uh roger waters oh nice man live yeah nice, and i almost nice. went, I almost went with him but i was just like i just can't handle big crowds like yeah, that i get anymore, it more you know sure um and so but i i, I got to have uh, dinner with him i took him out to my uh favorite mexican place here in the cincinnati area which is uh, la mexicana uh, which is on Monmouth in Newport, uh, Kentucky. In case anyone's interested, it's a great place. They got a great salsa and and menu is fantastic. Anyway, got to hang out with Sammy, nice and um, catch up. And it was like you know the third time we've seen each other in like fifteen years. You know, wow, like that, that's, or, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, we the last time we saw each other was for literally like three minutes in an airport. As I was getting off, uh, getting onto a plane, and then he was getting off. Oh, you know? really? He ran yeah, into each we, other. We, we, oh, we, wow. well, we knew what, we knew that we were gonna. We were hoping to cross paths. Okay. We knew that we were gonna be in the same airport around the same time, and basically we got to, you know, uh, find each other, give each other a hug. Uh, say I love you, buddy. It's good to see you. You look great. Okay, bye. You know, yeah, that kind of a thing. <laughs> so that's great. And then, uh, so Sam afterwards, uh, Sam traveled up to uh, just outside of Columbus for the uh, the gathering of the tribes that t- 
annual Juggalo oh, festival. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, uh, you know, he, he jokingly asked if I wanted to go. I was like, you know, Sam, I'd be almost tempted to go if it, if they, if it was good music. Um, <laughs> but, you know, jokingly, of course. Yeah. But, uh, dude, That's like, right. I saw some of the pictures that he took, and there was, like, uh, there was some actually, there was some good music there. Um, they Steel Panther. I don't know if you know. Oh yeah, them, for that, sure. They're yeah. that throwback uh, hair metal band. Oh yeah, they're hilarious and they're awesome. Yeah, they are. Uh, they play a show, and then there's this. Um, I think they're called the Cybertron Orchestra. Okay, but it's a Canadian band, and they all dress up as uh, classic Transformers oh. from the from the cartoon oh badass man i mean they're all in costume and like um yeah they're awesome and if you want to go check them out find them on youtube look them look up uh they do a short cover of uh immigrant song okay by zeppelin dude yep and it'll give you chills wow i mean that's cool that's cool oh man it's great dude i missed that out but uh Uh, it's all right we'll catch him next year man yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, Barry, what have you been, I mean, I know, uh, you, you can't talk about much of, uh, cause of your, uh, you went to your, you know, your work trip to Bohemian. <laughs> so, um, yeah. conveniently coughing over what that, uh, Bohemian Grove, but, uh, now, so yeah, what have you been up to, man? I uh, went out to the East Coast for a business trip. Uh, speaking of airports, on my way out there, uh, I, I I was uh, I was in the Charlotte airport, and um, I caught the uh, the drummer from that band, Typo Negative, coming off the the plane, and uh, and nobody knew who he was, of course, you know. But I'm right, I'm, I'm yeah. walking past him, like, oh, hey, it's the drummer from Typo Negative. Cool, man, you know, like. Uh, that was kind of cool, you know, spotted somebody that Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously no one knows who it is. Um but no, that was cool. Um yeah, spent um spent a week um out on the East Coast and doing some business and then uh, met my family in Pittsburgh and moved uh, my youngest son into school out there. Uh, he's going to school at Penn State Altoona. He's playing basketball. And um so that was that was emotional. That was a you know it was tough you know, but but good. I mean, it's a really a nice little school that he's going to. I can see why he was so excited about going. And um, while I was out there, I got to go to probably my favorite tobacconist in the country. Um, he just happens to be about twenty miles away from where my son's going to school. So I got to oh, drop wow. in there and, and he this guy makes his own pipes and he also blends his own tobaccos and just a really he's a guy that's just like, you know, part artist and mm-hmm. part, you know, sort of uh this interesting guy from uh from a throwback time period. Um yeah. so it was yeah. a lot of fun, man, to 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 get to visit there. Um we drove home and then uh, the next day we moved my uh, my other son into his uh, apartment for the year at school. So it's just been two weeks of nonstop really just going for it for two weeks, man. A lot of driving and I'm tired, but you know what? I'm here and I'm super excited to get to be here with you, man. I've, I've missed yeah. you and it's, yes. it's good to be back in the saddle. 
definitely dude um yeah i'm I'm excited and um your story about seeing the guy at the airport um reminded me of another story that i had at an airport Uh where um i went to pick up my um my well my sister's ex-husband's brother but they were still married at the time but i went to pick him up at the airport in raleigh and um he gets off the plane and he's, you know, he's, he's Southern. He grew up in a the sp- small Southern town yeah. and uh, fairly can, you know, um, conventional straight, li- not, not, not straight laced by any means. He was a party guy, but you know, like uh, the, the preppy kind of party guy. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Although not a jerk. Anyway, anyway, um, he gets off the plane and he's like, dude, He's like, man, there was this guy on there because, you know, I'm doing sort of a southern accident. And I said, he is just, you know, he was weird, man. It was just so weird. He's kind of scared me. He's got, you know, a jean jacket and his hair a little crazy and everything. And, you know, I'm like, really? I'm like, that's wild, dude. And then he like pointed out, he's like, we're at the, you know, we're waiting for his luggage. And he's like, nudge me. He's like, there he is. And I looked over at the guy. I'm like, Oh shit! And I go over to the guy and I hug him and I and I'm like, dude, what's up? It's Tyler Wolf, uh, bass player from Valiant Thor. Oh, nice. And it's like a friend of mine from when I was in college there at ECU. And uh, we just, I just laughed, you know, told That's him. That's great. Like, <laughs> you know, That's my, funny. My, my brother-in-law's brother here uh, was freaked out by who's by Tyler. Who's you know, he's kind of quiet, but he's also one of the, the coolest, most chill dudes that's awesome. nicest dudes you'll ever meet and it was just it was just funny that, that you is know, funny that's a small world man it, right it, it right. is yeah you never know who you're gonna run into in the airport that's right, that's right. <laughs> well barry while you were gone uh i also watched a lot of tv cool and uh i got to binge a couple of new seasons of tv shows uh first was uh the new sandman um, series on Netflix. Yeah, I've seen, which, I've seen those advertisements. I mean, now I've I've been a fan of Sandman since you know, like like 1994. Yeah, um, I that's when I first got into it and was read it, and it was very at that time very um, kind of one of those pivotal, influential, transitional kind of comics for me because yeah. you know i'd grown up reading superheroes and all of a sudden this it's like you know it's like all of it's like you've been eating uh hamburgers and hot dogs all your life and that's basically all you know of meat and then somebody puts down a uh what are those wagyu yeah. whatever the best yeah, cut yeah, of, yeah. whatever the best cut, a tomahawk of wagyu right um, yes I, I i'm saying words i don't know exactly if i'm using them correctly but uh as i you know 20 plus year vegetarian but yeah it's so like it was next level as the kids say nice uh as far as it's you know literature it's you know it's, it's art and literature and, yeah and uh it's great stuff and it's very dark and gothic horror stuff, but also very complex storytelling. And the comic book series uh, was phenomenal. And it's one of the best start to beginning series yeah. that has been. And uh, it's, you know, taken 30 years basically to get this thing. There's been talk of movies and TV shows in the past and never came through. But how they, they do did it. it, how they Dude, do they, it. They fucking nailed it. Really? Um, nice. I mean, it's it's updated 
to a more a little bit more of a contemporary vibe. Okay. Um, and there's some changing, slight changing of characters. Um, but again, to make it a little bit more inclusive, because it's all about inclusivity <laughs> and it's all about um, diversity within the world. And it shows a lot of these things. Um, and uh, but again, it's, it's a, you know, it is definitely the 2022 version of the story, cool. um, which is great, because if you read the comics, um, you'll appreciate it as being so close to the comics, but also having that new contemporary uh, feel to it. And, and, uh, um, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. That's it's awesome. fantastic. That's it's awesome. got, it's, uh, like I said, it's got, it's got some horror, a lot of horror elements into it. Uh, drama. Um, obviously it's a lot about dreaming and what happens in dreams and uh it's you know uh, i can't i cannot recommend it enough cool um yeah you got me you got me started on that you gave me a, a couple of the the books uh, yeah, back yeah. back in the day man back when you started reading it and uh, yeah. i remember really liking that stuff so that's cool that yep. they you know what what they're able to do these days with the adaptations to these series are amazing yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, well, it didn't hurt that they had uh, Neil Gaiman, the, the writer and creator of the of the character in the entire series, have him so uh, closely associated cool. with the creation of and writing and the directing of. You Great. Know, I mean, and like there are scenes in the series that are literally directly lifted from um the comics i mean they are frame by frame recreate oh, recreations cool. of scenes in the comic oh, i kind of see the comics really cool that's so. amazing man cool yeah. awesome yeah and another thing that i watched and uh uh that that was really awesome was the new season the fourth season of stranger things and um, I know talking beforehand, I shamed you a little bit, seeing that hearing, hearing that you hadn't watched Stranger Things. And actually, I'm kind of surprised that you're not the only person I know that hasn't watched it. But yeah. highly recommend, highly recommend the Stranger Things series, especially people that grew up in the '80s or in an affinity for the '80s. And again, it's kind of a you know, it's got horror elements into it for sure, but it's also like uh, you know, kids as the heroes and solving all the problems yeah and um you know it's got um this season they introduce a new character eddie who is um a uh, local kind of burnout uh heavy metal dude who's also uh in charge of the he's the dm he's the guy in charge of the local dungeons and dragons group yeah and uh a a, a murder gets or gets pinned on him and uh you know people start freaking out and they're saying it's all because of dungeons and dragons right right and it's this cult and he started a cult and his group is a cult and it's all you know satanic worship and 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 all this stuff um which is very much that that particular series takes place in 86 it's very much part of the satanic panic yeah that we love talking about so much yeah and we love reading about so much and um i figured you know because some of our listeners may have only had that exposure to dungeons and dragons and the satanic panic and all that stuff or you know m- m- maybe um 
you know, you don't know much about it. Um, maybe you don't remember the satanic panic. Um, I figured I'd talk about that today, uh, in one of our special one-off episodes where, um, I, I'm going to, uh, you know, talk, talk a lot, give a lot of information of the story of this era. This what was the thing behind the Dungeons and Dragons and its connection to the satanic panic yeah. of the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s. And um, that was a weird time. We, yeah. The, you know, I think a lot of the younger folks may not realize, maybe never even heard of the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. But it was a very real thing, especially for you yeah. and I that, you know, grew up in um, such a conservative place. And, yes. uh, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of a lot of stories and I'm curious to see kind of what we talk about because there's a lot in there. And um, the experiences that we had growing up were just, it was an interesting time to be alive is all I can say. Indeed, indeed. All right. So, without further ado, uh, ask me. Ask me. What's your weird story? <coughs> oh, what? Barry, I'm glad you asked. What? What's? What's? <laughs> All right. Join me now, Barry, as we travel back. Can you hear the music? Yes. As we travel back to the year 1979. In the news, Three Mile Island nuclear accident happens. Pink Floyd releases The Wall. Margaret Thatcher is elected prime minister in England. Sony releases The Walkman at a reasonable price of $200. Snowboarding is invented in the U.S. Top movies are Superman the movie, Alien, Star Trek the motion picture, Disco is on the way out. There's a crazy concert in Cincinnati. The Who played. Uh, well, they actually didn't play at the Riverfront Coliseum, where 11 fans were killed and dozens are injured during a basically kind of a, a riot. Um, and the first nudist beach is established in Brighton, UK. Nice. All of that. And more is happening in 1979. But you ask, how does that connect to uh, the Dungeons and Dragons and Satanic Panic? Well, I'll tell you because that's what I'm here to do. That's my job. In 1979, there was um, a young man who's 16 years old. His name was, Jell- Dal- was James Dallas Egbert III. Um, <clears throat> he was a student. He was a child prodigy, is what he was. He was he was a genius. I mean, he went to, uh, you know, he went to college at age fifteen, and um, you know, so you know, he went to Michigan State University. So he was his. You know, he comes from kind of a a good family. He's got a lot of pressures on him from his family to do well because he is this child genius and he's into computers and he's doing computer science and uh he goes off doesn't really have a lot of friends when he was younger in high school and in school because he's you know so smart and he's doesn't 
socialize exactly at the same level. And then he gets to college where he's the opposite, where he's younger and he's done. He's not the same social level, but uh, he tries and he's there for about a year and he goes missing. Um, so he, his parents, they're calling him, they're writing him. He's not responding. They haven't heard from him in over a week. And so they call a, an investigator uh, named William Deere out of Texas. And this guy, um, you know, he's like, does what he can. He calls and he, when he, and he talks to the parents and they're like, you know, well, we haven't seen him. He hasn't returned our calls, blah, blah, blah. And so William Deere goes up to Michigan State University. He goes into, uh, you know, he's asking around about uh, Egbert's, you know, if anybody's seen him. Nobody's seen him, of course. So he goes to his room and he goes in there and it's just your typical nerdy, like, you know, 70s, early 80s, nerdy bedroom. It's got computer parts everywhere and it's just you know a, it's a, a teenager living on their own at school it's got all the computer books and then on one bookshelf he sees these this neat stack high of these non-computer books they're books and guides for Dungeons and Dragons so D- William Deere the private eye starts to put together this idea uh, that maybe there's something, this is connected somehow. So looking around further in the kid's room, he sees this kind of homemade map. He puts together that this map is the same as the tunnels, the steam tunnels that run underneath the entire university. So he thinks "Hmm, maybe these kids have gone down there and played their game. Or he's gone down there to hide away from reality. Or he's gone down there. So he's down there. Wow. And I'm going to find him. So he tells the press, this is his idea, that this kid is totally disassociated from reality because he's been playing Dungeons and Dragons. He has lost all connection to the real world. He is in these steam tunnels. So Private Dick Deer goes down into the tunnels and they search. They search the whole thing for a couple of days and they don't find anything. So he's kind of like, huh, okay, well, I guess that's not what happened. So later on that year, or you know, a few months later, I think it's two months later. Mm-hmm. The detective hears some, some more information. He goes and he finds that Egbert is now in Louisiana. He's got he's okay. left school. He dropped out of school. Didn't tell anybody. Went down to Louisiana, and uh, he talks. The, the detective talks him into coming home. But you know, Egbert says basically, "Yeah, okay, I'm here. I'll go with you, but you can't tell anybody." Uh, where I was or what I was doing, you know, why I left school, you know. So, yeah. okay. So, he goes home, the kids reunited, stayed there with his family, but the problems that he had, 
that led to him disappearing where the, you know, the stress and the, you know, he was clinically depressed and some people say that he'd gotten it. He was into drugs. Um, he unfortunately couldn't move past those. He's 17 and he takes his own life. Oh, so, um, this is now this big thing in the news because they've already said Dungeons and Dragons made this kid disappear. Right. You know, right, it was the right. factor. And then now they're saying, oh, well, obviously there's a connection that he's, he's taken his own life. Right. And, uh, this actually, it gets in the news cycle and, um, it actually like drives up the sales for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, of course. Big time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in 1981, there was a book written by Roma Jaffe called Mazes and Monsters. It's fictional, but the plot is very similar to uh, the Egbert case. This movie, or this was adapted, this book was adapted into a TV, made-for-TV movie in 1982, also called Mazes for Monsters. And if you haven't seen it, I suggest you checking it out. It's not good by any means. Yeah. But it does, it is historically significant, and probably the only reason that anybody really remembers it, is this was the first lead starring role for a Mr. Tom Hanks. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, yeah. what, what year was this again? 1982. 82, okay. Yeah. Wow. So this was like, he'd been in a few things, but like this is his first starring role, and it was one of the pivotal roles. This is his first movie role, and it's one of his pivotal early roles. Wow. Uh, so that the Egbert case inspired that movie, and that movie is ridiculous uh, because, you know, it's the same kind of thing where, you know, Tom Hanks' character... It's this really smart kid who uh, starts playing um, with, you know, mazes and monsters, which is, you know, obviously the the stand-in for D&D. Yeah. And he uh, gets – he loses touch with reality because they start playing in the basements of Steam. Yeah, yeah. Tunnels under the school. Yeah. And he some he gets scared down there and he freaks out and that causes him to have a break with the reality. Yeah. And so he becomes starts living life as his character. Yep. And um you know, uh, it, he ends up at some point in uh New York City. Okay. And he is he, like he stabs a bum uh, or homo. Per, per, no, actually, I think he stabs a guy who's trying to mug him. Okay. With a pocket knife because he thinks that it's a uh, some kind of beast monster thing. Anyway, <laughs> <coughs> he ends up on top of the um, the World Trade Center, the two towers. He ends up on top of there, one of the lookout deck, and he's going to fly off because he has enough spells. So, uh, but his friends bring him back to reality. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So he slipped into <coughs> he slipped into insanity. Mm-hmm. That's what Dungeons and Dragons yeah. does to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I remember that being a hundred percent the line that we were fed for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very, very common to hear that back then. It was 
trying to put it in today's context is very difficult because we were pretty naive people because we didn't have so much information. So the information that you got was all through grown-ups. And when the grown-ups are telling you that these things are real, you just believe it. You go, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I guess if you play a game, you'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, uh, uh, the grown-ups didn't know anything. And um, uh, that's one of the biggest things about why this and the other things of the satanic panic caught fire like they did. It was because nobody knew anything for real. They just heard second, third, fifth-hand knowledge, you know, that was, generally speaking, bullshit. And then, um, and then it grew into this massive mm, movement. Oh, big time did it grow. Um, so, <laughs> after the the Egbert incident, a couple of years later, um, a young man named Irving uh, Poling, who lived in, uh, just, he lived in Richmond, Virginia, uh, he was also a high schooler. He was having trouble at school. <clears throat> he was having trouble fitting in. And it's speculated that he, like Egbert, who was uh, also speculated that they maybe they were having trouble with their sexuality. Okay. Meaning that they were probably that people think that they were having a lot of these troubles because they were uh, they were gay yeah. and they you know of course that's especially then they would definitely pin that would be one of the evils um, that was brought on by Dungeons and Dragons, but um, he was just having a really bad time and he was there wasn't anything for him. Uh, you know, there were no resources really yeah. at that time. And so his parents came home and his sister, came, I think it is his sister. They came home one day and they found him on their front yard and he had, uh, killed himself again by suicide. Wow. Um, and, uh, by shooting himself in the chest. And, um, so now we have two casualties. Yes. Two casualties. Yes. And so his mother, um, She didn't take well to this. She had to figure out why her son killed himself. And it obviously it had to be something other. Because, you know, he was a good kid and there was nothing wrong with him and he wouldn't have had any of these problems. And so uh, she blamed this firstly on her son's high school principal who had like a game club um, that they would play and they would rotate and play all these different games. And D and D was one of them. Okay. And so, um, she blamed this guy because his care, because he put a curse on her son's character, mm. but she thought it was on him and she tried to sue the guy. Didn't work. So then she went and tried to file suit against TSR, the makers of D and D it didn't work. Then she went after the publishing company. Didn't work. None of those worked. And then <clears throat> she went on to form a group called Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons or Bad. B A D. I love it. So I love it. 
um, she started becoming um, selling herself as an authority on the occult and on uh, Dungeons and Dragons in particular. Okay. And she started, um, you know, publishing uh, information and circulating the flyers and stuff about D and D and how it was con- connected to devil worship and suicide. Yes. And murder. Ah. Uh, perfect. Right. So, um, you know, because this is what to do. So, she described in one of her flyers. She described D&D as, quote, a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromantics, divination, and other teachings. Oh, my God. That sounds right up my alley. (laughs) Yeah. And and for conservative Christians of this time period, uh, and not just conservative Christians, but but also, you know, the general public, uh, but particularly just conservative Christians of this time period, that was just throwing gasoline on oh, the fire big time um, yeah gives you so, give you something to rail against yep yep so um there was a, you know there's other suicides that were supposedly connected to dungeons and dragons there was a murder case in which the three uh, a young woman was murdered by two young men who and one of them tried to use uh, Dungeons and Dragons as an inf- influenced him to do it as an excuse, right? As a defense, right? Insanity um, plea or something right, that like kind that. of a thing. Yeah. So, so you know, people got crazy about all of this evil, the most evilest game in the world, you know. And obviously, all of the Satanists were, you know, were doing the. This was created a tool by Satanists. Um, but in fact, it wasn't created by Satanists. Was created by a name, a guy named Gary Gygax, uh, and he first created the game, first published it in like 1974, and okay. he created it in the early 70s with a friend of his, and he test played it with his own kids. And uh, Gary Gygax, at the time, was a uh, he was himself a uh, a Christian. He told oh, you know wow. that's what he would imagine. You know, he said you know anything. And he came to the defense of uh, of Dungeons and Dragons, saying it's just a game. Yeah. Um, so the fervor built, and in 1985, there was a 60 minute special episode, and it was really just you know a hatchet job on on Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. It was you know just to fla- fan the flames yep. that were already burning. And um, uh, Gary Gygax was on, and he was, and so was um, Patricia Pullman, who was the uh, Bink Pullman, the 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 bad boy. The, yeah, the bad mother. Yes, yeah. yes, indeed, the bad mother. Um, so they went on, and and you know, and and she's all you know, blaming everything on this game and all these people for being so bad, um, you know, because of their uh, uh, <laughs> all the things that Dungeons and Dragons promotes and teaches, and using you know 
real spells right. and real witchcraft and demonology. And Gary Gygax is like, no, it's it's all just a game. It's made up. Right. Um, you know, he's like, and the people who play this are make, you know, they understand it's make believe, you right. know. Right. Um, there are, you know, the people who play this are kids who are generally, you know, imaginative, creative. <laughs> Let me try that again. Imaginative, creative, intelligent, you know, highly intelligent, and, you know, usually a little and, and smarter than their most of their peers, you know. Yeah. So these kids are, they know that it's a game. And, so, and he went further to say, um, uh, you know, as, you know, this, <laughs> he went further to say that they, you know, quote, uh, this is make-believe. No one is martyred. There is no violence there. To use an analogy with another game, who is bankrupted by the end of Monopoly? Nobody is. The yeah. money isn't real. There is no link except for perhaps in the mind of those people who are looking desperately for other, any other cause than their own failures as a parent. Oh. oh. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously... He cut to the bone. He cut to the bone on that. <clears throat> there was this guy who was also part of the, this interview, uh, Dr. Thomas uh, Radecki, who was a president of the National Coalition uh, on TV Violence. Um, he went on there and he was talking about how there have been 28 murders and suicides di- di- directly linked to this game. And he talked about how some parents... A couple of parents went into their sunroom and they actually saw, witnessed their child cast a demon summoning spell before he killed himself. Oh my god! Right. So it's all again, wow. Yeah, reaching. Know, it's all, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, oh, there, there was this other case <coughs> that took place in uh, in North Carolina, in Washington, North Carolina, which is not far from. Uh, my old stumping grounds there in uh, Greenville and uh, Goldsboro. And uh, they call it Little Washington down there. Um, but there was this guy, his name was Keith Pritchard. He was a student at North Carolina State University. I think he was probably a freshman or sophomore there. And uh, he and he had, and his stepfather did not get along. His stepfather, Lee Von Stein. Lee Von Stein, or Steen, I'm not sure. I apologize. Um, his and, and his stepfather was uh, pretty rich for the time. He had about $2 million, mm. which is about $5 million now. Yeah. So he was married to uh, Chris's mom, and uh, he and Chris had a very, very rocky relationship. And when Chris was off at college... He started getting, of course, you know, he started partying. He got involved with drugs and alcohol. And uh, he also started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Dun, dun, dun. Of course. Yeah. So um, Pritchard and his friend, uh, his friends, Neil Henderson and James Upchurch, came up with a plot. And they 
<laughs> they murdered Chris's stepfather. I shouldn't laugh at that. Uh, I didn't mean to laugh at that, but they murdered uh, the stepfather and they bludgeoned him to death in the middle of the night. And um, they, they also uh, attacked the mother, but she managed to stay alive. Um, and of course they blamed all of this on uh, Dungeons and Dragons, on yeah. drugs and Dungeons and Dragons. There you go. And of course it had nothing to do with the fact that the kid and the stepfather hated each other. And that if the kid at the stepfather and the mother died, the kid would become a millionaire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nothing to do with that. Yeah. So, um, this, all these things happened and they were vaguely linked to a game that, you know, kids played. Yep. If this would have happened in, you know, 2005, it would all be because of, um, Grand Theft Auto by City or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's a... Actually, I guess that would probably be the best analogy because there is all kinds of shit that hit the fan whenever that game was, mm-hmm. like, coming out. And, like, that was a big deal, man. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I get it. You know, these young kids are, like, being a part of, like, playing a violent game. But at the end of the day, like, it's a game. It's yes. not reality. And even more to the point, <clears throat> this game, I don't know if you've ever played D&D uh, or if any of our listeners have played D&D or not. So let me tell you how it typically typically goes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, it's not like a video game where you start and you have a character and you just push start and you go and you start playing the yep. game. You have to... With the help of the dungeon master, who is the referee, the guy who runs the show, he puts together the plot right. of this adventure that you're going on, and he guides you through this adventure. Um, with the help of that, with the with the dungeon master, each person creates a character that they will play in this particular campaign or in these games, and it takes you know. Like three, uh, like three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To do. Yeah, and it's all about putting writing stuff down on on, on sheets of paper that are just like work work sheets, workbook sheets, rolling dice, and then coming up with a character that you will play. And then when you finally have all of that sorted, you get this like a little map out, tabletop map usually, and maybe you'll have little miniatures. Maybe you won't. Right. But you'll have dice. You have regular six-sided die, but you may have a three-sided, four-sided, um, you know, twenty and up to a 20-sided die. Yeah. Um, and you roll these dice, and these what hap- you know, these will allow you to see if you when when you encounter and attack someone or try to throw a spell or try to do anything in the game, you have to roll the dice to see if you can accomplish that. Right. The game is a lot about using your imagination to, like, go through these scenarios of, of course, you know, oh, you encounter um, a bunch of orcs. Um, They could be friendly, but there's also blood all over their faces. What do you do? Yeah. You know? Right. That's the setup. And then the the person says, oh, well, I'm going to uh, roll to cast a spell of protection. And they do that. And they don't actually cast a spell. Right. 
they yeah. just say that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, and, and you know they make sure they have all the parts and that they can do that by you know like in a video game, you got to make sure you have all of the correct items collected so that you could do that. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, you're not you're not like you know planning a plot to to you know gut someone or murder yeah. someone. No. Uh, no. Yeah, that's. But you don't know that because you don't know the game, and so you're just listening to what people are feeding you, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, these people are like in you know in in hoods in, in somebody's basement that you know, the, you know <laughs> bludgeoning people with daggers." You know, that's yeah, what you sat- think. Yeah, they are. They're part of the the. They're all Satanist, right? They're all um, mutilating babies, yeah, and uh, and raping. And 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 sodomizing each other, right? Um, for for the for their lord, the devil, right? And doing all sorts of blasphemy, and you know all the, the all what most of these kids are doing in this particular time is listening to you know like Rush and right. um, you know maybe Black Sabbath, yeah, and playing this nerdy game. By candlelight, and it is an incredibly nerdy game. Yeah, and you know what? I've played it, um, um, and uh, it was fun. And yeah. I played it when, when in my uh, late teens. Yeah, and it was like my freshman. It was like the summer of my, before my freshman year in college, and a little bit into that year. And then I stopped playing because my DM start uh, stole my girlfriend. Kind of. Um, well, I don't have proof on that, but it's anyway. <laughs> nonetheless nonetheless yeah i didn't i didn't roll enough for no i also contributed to the fact that uh she dumped me but uh she definitely started uh dating him uh not very long afterwards anyway i wasn't a good boyfriend at the time i wasn't a good point in life i wasn't at a good point in life at the time regardless sure sure i played this game and i played it kind of out of rebellion because of all the things that we had been taught yeah as kids mm-hmm uh, about how dangerous was it was, dangerous and demonic and satanic. Right. And yeah. you remember when we were kids, I was the one who was very much concerned about evil and the demonic influences, satanic things influencing no, not just me but my friends. Of course, yeah. You know that was vo- and, that was voiced to me many times. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I had I had uh, a couple of books from the Christian bookstore, and uh, one of them was uh, "Turmoil in the Toy Box" by Phil Phillips. I still remember the cover of that book, man. Yep. Does it look like that? Can you see this? Uh, can't see it. Oh. Oh well, you can't see it, but anyway, I I found it on on uh, Amazon. That was a big one. I got. That. I had to own that because it was so. At the time, it was impactful, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is the most important thing, right? Almost, yeah, yeah, know? yeah. This is the this is uh, additional God stuff. This yeah. is you know yeah. I mean, um, the super like that's that's kind of the way that we were raised. Oh yeah, you yeah, know for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah. again, you know, you're talking about people that are, this is pre-internet. We're we're getting oh, this yeah. this inform this information is just coming from your leaders in your 
in your life that you think that, and you know, hey, I don't fault them in 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 a way like because they were operating off the information that they were getting, but also. I remember, see, music started to get lumped into this whole thing. And they, it's, oh, yeah. it started to be like, this is before the PMRC started, but mm-hmm. it was like leading up to it. And yep. they they started suing bands because of these kids that would commit suicide or, or acts of violence. Yep. And they were trying to blame it on um, messages, supposedly, that were hidden in records or... Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, I think it was Judas Priest, yep. possibly that they 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 brought into a courtroom. And I remember yep. there was a they were talking about subliminal messages in records. And I remember there was something a soundbite that I had heard, and it was like they were trying to prove that subliminal messages could lead to violence. And yes. the person that they were talking to on the stand um, said. Well, let me ask you this. If you're in a crowded room and you're having you're engaged in a conversation with someone face to face, but all these other conversations are happening at at the same time, are you at a later time able to go home, let time pass and recall the conversations that other people were having? And the answer is no. Because you're engaged in a conversation with someone. If you're listening to music and you're listening to a song and there's something so low in the mix that's telling you to do something, but you can't hear it, how do you later on, how does that get seeped into your brain? It was one of those things where it was like, oh, that may not be true. Um, furthermore, you know, there, there were those like backwards things that people were doing. The, you mean um, backmasking? Backmasking, yep. Yep, backward, yeah. Yeah, same thing. It's like, <laughs> I, you know, it's anyway, it was uh, it was definitely a weird time, man. It was a very weird time. It was, we were, there, it was a time of fear in general. Right. <clears throat> I mean, because we were, again, this was Cold War. Yep. And um, this was, you know, uh, DARE, you know, had been brought yep. in and That's crack right. has been an epidemic. And yep. um, AIDS you, and and AIDS was coming up into it yep. all, and yep. um, you know Satanists were everywhere, yep. and there were these, um, there was, um, you know the the along with the music, um, with and with the the phrase in particular with the Judas Priest case was do it. That was supposed it, to be, right. and you know, and when they had Rob Halford up on the stand, he was like, "What does do it even mean?" Right. It's like, and furthermore, if we were going to put actual subliminal messages on our records, we would put something like, "Buy more records, yeah, yeah. buy our yeah, merch, yeah, yeah, no shit, yeah, give us the money," right. you know, yeah, that's totally. what they do. Totally. And so, yeah, it was ridiculous. And, you know, again, this is the same stuff that led into uh, the the PMRC. Yeah. And, um, but there's also like cases uh, where there were little kids who were supposed, thought to have been ritually abused. Yeah. By Satan at daycares. And they would ask these little kids what happened. And they would come up with these crazy ass stories, yeah. of being flushed down toilets, 
being taken to uh, underground rooms, being put into you know tanks, yep. uh, swimming in tanks with uh, sharks that ate babies. They would have to kill babies. They'd have to have uh, you know they have to perform sexual acts on adults and each other. They would have to drink the blood of animals, of like baby animals and yep. like even baby tigers, and it's all this stuff that they were either just flat out coming up with or that was basically they were led yeah. to say. Right. And it was discovered that, you know, that, you know, none of this, the, the, the satanic ritual abuse things, you know, virtually nothing of it, it was real. Just right. like the D and D stuff. There was no real yeah. connection. Yeah. And just like in music, there was no real connection. It was just pageantry. It was yeah, marketing. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. It but, was, there was an entertainment. Vi- I think that was the hardest thing. It's like people, a, a lot of the bands that got so much grief about this stuff was like, they were, if you, if, yeah, you had your occasional like people that were trying to pass off like satanic sort of things, but like you know, like even like your heaviest bands like Slayer, I mean, Tom Araya is a Catholic. Yeah. I like it's it's just imagery and um you know, Ronnie James Dio, who created the devil horn sign, was yeah. that was from his grandmother and she used to do that to ward off evil spirits. And she would walk down the street and she would like do that. She would like, that was her way of, she was a little Italian lady and that was her way of like, you know, you know, making a safe space for her. Um, And he took it and, you know, it turned it into this big thing where it's like, oh, that's satanic, you know, it's like, no, that's not where that was derived from. But, you know, people, people took it and ran with it. And I know that I was, I was into a lot of those bands back then. But if you go and you read, like, especially, like, Metallica lyrics and stuff from that point in time, like, a lot of it had to do with, like, war and, you know, like, you know, you know, the human condition. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't what people wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. People wanted it to be one thing. They wanted it to be this serious threat, this real invasion of the devil is out to get us every day. The devil is real and out to get us every day. And we ended up with stuff like, you know, the attacks on the music industry, the attacks on gaming, you know, the attacks on people who were kind of outsiders, people who were interested in this kind of stuff. And you'll get cases like the West Memphis three. Yes. That's exactly what I was. Teenagers in West Memphis, Arkansas were railroaded in and went to prison for years and years and years because they listened to heavy metal music. They had an interest in the occult because it was the outsider thing. And yep. uh, they um, and one of their friends gave a false confession because he was led to do it. Um, and they three of them went to jail for a long time. And uh, the real killer of these those little boys still nobody you still you don't know, I mean? know. Well, they've gotten a good a good idea. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couple of good ideas. But that um, was and, that was yeah. shocking, man. That was yeah. like. Because it did, it kind of had all of that wrapped up into it, you know? Yeah. And 
sadly, two of those young men weren't smart enough to like know how to, you know, to defend themselves. And like the one, the one kind of leader kid who is the real smart guy. Um, I can't remember his name. Damon, right? Damien. Yeah. Damien. Um, ironically, you know, yeah, Damien, um, he was, and if you listen to his stories about that time and like living through it and like all the shit that he had, because they ended up getting out. Um, yep. Thankfully, they had, you know, I remember Pearl Jam. That was one of their big, uh, one of the big things is yep. they, they donated a lot of their time and efforts into helping those young guys get out. And it's sad because it's like, it just shows you the bias that we have toward, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I mean, even in our co- or our high school college days, Marilyn Manson became the new yep. whipping boy. And, yeah. and he was like really one of the last. Yeah. Part the last of the, you know, the satanic panic. I would, I would say that he was really the last of the dying flame of yeah. the satanic. And he, and because we had all culturally kind of moved on at that point. Right. And, but he was. He was kind of the last bastion of it. And it's funny because, like, I would listen to people talk shit about him. And I'm not a fan of his music by any stretch. But to me, it just sounded like just kind of bad industrial music. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Um, not even good. Like, you know. Um, but... I would listen to people talk about him in a way where they're like, they believe that he was like the Antichrist or whatever. I'm like, yes, dude, I'm like, if you want to know who the real deal is, like there are people that you've never heard of that are really doing this shit, you know, yeah. black, black metal bands and shit. Yeah. That, like, get, get, get that, that Norwegian black metal. Exactly. That, Mayhem uh, and all them yeah. fucking yeah, crazy yeah. ass bands, dude, that like kill each other and shit, set churches yeah. on fire. Yeah. That's the real deal. You know, like, yeah. like Marilyn Manson's sort of a cartoon version of that. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, I, I give it up to him for being a smart guy and Absolutely. navigating those waters the way that he yep. did back then. Remember yep. that Bowling for Columbine movie that came out? Um, yep. And he was in it in the interview with him. And I was like, I was really, I was like, damn, he's very well spoken, man. He mm-hmm. he had a really nice piece in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you know, the thing with Marilyn Manson is that he was an artist. He was very much like... Um, I mean, obviously, he's also a bad person. We found out, um, you yeah, know, because yeah, yeah. he's abusive and right. and it's all Mar- of that Mar- garbage. It's Marilyn Manson, Marilyn Manson <laughs> right? Um, turns out some of it was true, but um, you know, he he's an artist. He's just very much a chameleon in the same mold as Madonna and David Bowie. Right. I mean, he took all his notes from exactly. David Bowie because yeah, yeah, yeah. he was change his character would right. change from album to album. You yeah. know. Yep. So. Yeah, but yeah, so you know, I mean, it, there's also for us about the West Memphis Three, Paradise Lost. Uh, there's yes, one, two, right. and three. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, you can find that on HBO. There are HBO made documentaries about that case. Fascinating, fascinating oh, yeah. documentaries. Must watch documentaries. Definitely. Really, it wasn't um, one of the the fathers was. Of the boys. One of the fathers or stepfathers was highly suspected yeah. because he was weird, but he was also on all sorts of pills. So they kind of maybe put him away. But then there was another one, a father of a different one. Yeah, it's, it's, it is the definition of um, fucked up. 
uh, what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. It's messed sure. up, dude. It's it's really bad. And like, um, yeah, we need to put some trigger warnings all over this episode. Yeah, uh, because yeah. if you haven't picked up on it, yeah, there's a lot of dark stuff here. But, um, but yeah, it's it was, you know, go watch Stranger Things if you haven't watched this season. This season, watch it and see how people acted in that and that's that could be very that could just very well be a documentary yeah at least the part about how people react to uh saying this guy is evil and satanic and he's got a cult for sure and he runs a cult and all that shit um i tell you what you know, else that's, is what else is great to watch from that time period dude is go back and watch those at the time, these these televangelists were putting out oh. these these VHS tapes that were like dude. priceless, dude. Like, yes, they're just so ridiculous because they'll be like, it's like an hour long of them like trying to get people to understand like what this is all about. So they'll play these bands and they'll have all this shit. I used to watch them to find out who the bands are, so <laughs> I could go find their records. I mean, that's how fucked up. Like. It's just uh, you know one of those things that just uh it but they're hilarious. funny oh they're funny yeah dude. they're funny. I was uh in preparation for this I did some um digging around on uh, YouTube as well and uh, I saw some bits and I want to find the full video but I only saw snippets of this guy <laughs> who's supposedly this uh you know e- e- expert on the uh, on the on cults the cult and satanic yeah stuff and uh he's like um i mean this it's totally like 1987 because he's got he's got this red hair it's spiked in the front and it's a long oh in the back beautiful and it double triple denim or thing you know <laughs> and it's like pointing at this this pentagram that has been drawn on a tree with chalk which he clearly just drew it yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. talking. Oh, this is their <laughs> sign. They've been here, and then he walks uh, over to this dumpster, right? And he's like, "You see all these, these, this is graffiti and tags and yeah, shit." Yeah, yeah. And it's, these are all. This is all how gangs communicate. This is their communication. How gangs do that. And then over here, you see somebody drawing like drawing like a mushroom. You know, right? So like, that's a psilocybin. And that means that cult, that Satanist, that means they must have had a psilocybin satan, satanic ritual. Right, here. right. And it's like, dude. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Come on. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. But no, it's great, dude. It's, yeah. It's, it's, so. it's interesting. That was an interesting time to be alive. And also, on top of that, you got the the whole apocalyptic thing everybody thought. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Revelations was happening and all that. Yeah, thing. two or three different times there in the 80s, we were certainly going to be seeing the end of the world right. um yeah. i definitely can remember yep uh, i can remember so clearly um some kids at school uh they were uh they all went to a particular church and they were like the, the world's gonna end at such and such time on this day and so um i happened to be uh just uh, after school um, swinging on swings, just waiting for the world to end. Yeah, they were there. I was yep. sitting waiting there, and I knew it wasn't because my church said it wasn't going to be ending that day. Right, but you know, <laughs> yeah, and being like, well, looks like you guys were wrong, okay. and then dusting my hands and walking off. You right, know, right, like a little, like a little shit because I, you know, because I was went to the Methodist church, and uh, 
you know, my youth youth pastor said something different or whatever. But right, um, right. But yeah, it was a crazy time. It was a fun time. It was a great time to grow up, even though we were all scared shitless about nothing. Things that really were nothing. Yeah. There were a few bad eggs. There were a few unfortunate things. There are a few people who had really severe problems and had thought that they could find no other way out. It wasn't caused by Dungeons & Dragons by any means. Probably when they played Dungeons & Dragons, it was probably helpful to them because yeah. they got to escape their own realities. Right. Uh, but, you know, of course, if anybody's out there listening and you're having suicidal or self-harm thoughts, you know, don't do it. There's always going to be better days ahead. Absolutely. Reach and out to every, somebody, professional yep. or a friend or someone, yeah. family member. Call a hotline. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, we all go through um, some shit, some heavy times, some hard times, um, but you will get through it and you will have better days. And, you know, part of life is going through and the struggle of it because we only get this one one shot that we know of at least but you know so uh this one chance i should say not one shot that's that's probably bad wording but um but we love you you know that and if we love you and we haven't maybe we haven't even met you but we care enough about you to say this stuff to you and mean it other people out there love you. Somebody loves you that you don't even know, you don't realize. You know, right. even if you you had a shitty family growing up, you still got friends. Somebody out there that cares about you. You know, oh, maybe you think, oh, I don't have any friends. Well, maybe that person that works at the the, the grocery store that you go to their line every single time they check you out, and you guys have a good exchange, you become kind of friends. That person would hate for you to you know. To see yourself go, to see you die, to see you take your, hurt yourself. So, you know, don't do it because people do care. And you are significant in this world, and the world would be suffer such a great loss if you weren't with us. Absol so, absolutely. Agreed 100%. So on that note, um, that uh, is just... Some of the that's some of the story of you know that's cool of the most evil game in the world. Yeah, no, I learned something. I didn't know that it all all came from from basically a single source, and that uh, yeah, it and, sort of grew into yeah. The guy, the detective uh, who started it all up, uh, William Deere, like in 1984, um, wrote a book saying, you know what. I don't think it. I, I think I was wrong. I don't think it had anything to do with that, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, so, oops, wow. my bad. Wow. But by that time, yeah, it was already a media firestorm. Yeah. And this was again, really, the bad guy in all of this is the media, um, because yeah. this is when the media first started getting into sensationalism. Yep. You know, with Geraldo, yep. and Donahue, Sally Jesse Raphael, Ricky Lake, um, Martin Martin Dowdy Martin. Over there, that guy, Morton, Morton Downey, Downey yep, Jr. Yep. Yeah, all these people with their "quote unquote" journalism, which is all just, <sighs> just shit shows, man. Every yep. time, every day on TV. But anyway, we can, you know, the the real 
enemy of uh, everything there was media hyper being hyperbolically uh, overzealous, you know, being hype with telling, you know, sometimes taking straight up lies, not investigating, not doing real truth. And then of course, you know, they moved on, like you said, from the evils of D and D to uh, just music. And then it went, you know, and then from music went to video games and hip hop, of course. And, and um, it's, I think it's still, we're in still in that video game kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, the, and the Satanic Panic did not completely die out. There yeah. are still flare-ups that sure. we see. Yeah. Um, when you know, whenever Harry Potter was so big. Oh yeah. That Harry Potter was getting banned from school libraries yeah. because it was magic and taught kids how to do magic, and it doesn't. Right. There, you know, Pokemon. People were talking about like there's crazy weird urban legends about Pokemon. Yep. yep. Um coming to life or a Pokemon card. There's one about a little kid whose Pokemon comes to life and tells him to burn down his house. And so he does it. And that's all over the world. That's dude. crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, if you want to find fault in, in, in something, you can find it. You can find, so, you know what I mean? In anything. It's, it's all about intent. And we've talked about it before on the show. It's like, if you want, if you have it already set, that you have an end goal in mind, you know, you're going to find it. You're going to find yes. it. You're going to you're going to twist things to be what they what they aren't. And if you're up against a group of people that you don't understand, I think that goes back to this whole like, you know, tribal thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people that have especially back then have long hair and wearing these crazy ass T-shirts of these bands that you don't understand. They're the enemy because you don't understand where they're coming from. You know what I mean? It's very easy to pick on uh, a group of people that are, you know, not in the mainstream and not they don't have the the same sort of core ideas that other people do. They're an easy target. They're young kids. They're trying to find out who they are and they're listening to sometimes aggressive, violent music. Why? Because it expresses something within them that they couldn't otherwise express for themselves, and someone else is able to do it. It's the same thing with yep. rap, man. When we were kids, yep. it's like whenever Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg came out, it became a huge, huge thing because they were speaking to people that were, you know, they needed a voice. And it's just, you know, it's just crazy how things evolved now to the point to where now that's just normal. Like now Snoop, yeah. Snoop Dogg and, and what's her face? The, the, the lady, Martha Stewart, Martha yeah, Stewart yeah. have like a show together. It's like so weird, but also yep. kind of cool, man. I mean, you know, yeah. things evolve. Yeah, man, exactly. You know, cause again, back in, well, there's always whatever's on the fringe always gets pulled into normal society Almost always. And then the fringe looks for something else. And it's always about the way we bring things in is we attack, attack, attack. And then we start, oh, well, some of it's okay. And we just pull it back, pull it in. Right. You can go back throughout our American history, especially cultural history. And you can look how, you know, uh, jazz was, you know, first it was played and, you know, like the ragtime and the stuff. And it was all, um, you know, it was all. The, the black people, uh, air quotes, black people music 
Yeah. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, white people started listening to it and go, this is interesting. And then white artists started, musicians started taking that music yep. uh, and playing it and doing their version of it and yep. making it more consumable, right? more appropriate for the rest of America. Yep. And of course, you know, and so that, and then, you know, then you got rock and roll and then, you know, and it's just over and over and over again, the evil, the thing that is the destruction. I mean, comic books were it at one time, right, right? You know, these are the things that are the evil that is in society can all be blamed on, you know, the problem with our kids can all be blamed on this one thing. Yeah. And then five, 10 years later, it's the problem with our kids can be blamed on this one other thing. Yep. And then over and over and over again. Yep. And it doesn't take into account, you know, children's psychological makeup and how they, and how being a kid could be really fucking tough sometimes you know especially if you are a little bit different for whatever reason um you know and you don't understand that everybody feels the same way you know everybody feels different everybody feels like no nobody knows what they're going through you know everybody feels you know because they're trying to find themselves right you know and high school and and in college that stuff i mean that stuff can be tough and you know like you said if you find your outlet in that particular thing then you know it's embrace it and let the people embrace it, but um, you know it's it's just one of those things where we learn later on all the hype, all the hysteria was for nothing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, what, but what, we can what, look back and laugh now. That's right. Know? That's right. Hey, that's right. Um, well, I learned something. Thank you for uh, for yeah for for putting that together, man. That was wonderful and. Uh, we, we want to get back. We want to get folks on here. We want to hear your stories. Please reach out to us. Get in touch. Um, yes. You know what we do here. Uh, we've been here for for four years. So uh, we are uh, here to stay and want to hear your stories. And we appreciate everyone out there that gives time to come hang out, listen to us, talk about these things. And, uh, yeah, hit us up. Yeah, hey, you know, we want to hear your guys' satanic panic memories. We want to hear what you remember from growing up in the 70s and 80s, if you did like we did. Um, And, you know, what, uh, you know, maybe your parents didn't let you buy that album from this band or or watch certain movies, um, you know, or whatever. We want to hear those stories. Those are fun. And, of course, we want to hear all your amazing stories, weird or otherwise, stories you know here on the podcast we love a good story we love talking to you guys and uh even if we don't share a story we still love you and we appreciate all you do we will be back next week with more regular stuff not just me running at the mouth and barry listening kindly um and we hope you enjoyed this uh one off um but like i said we'll be right back to the regular format next week and uh, we got a lot of people lined up and a lot of cool stuff coming down the line. This has been a really great year for diversity and a lot of uh, really great stories uh, 2022 has. Um, and so we're looking forward to keeping that going as summer winds down into the fall and the temperatures drop as we gear up to the spooky season of Halloween. 
Um, but uh, that's something to look forward to. Uh, but now to look forward, you can look forward to me uh, signing off for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next time here on the What Your Word Story podcast from me, Adam Beebe, and from him, Barry Johnston. Be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, be safe. Be weird. The stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.